because Putin knows if I am president of the United States, his days of tyranny and trying to intimidate the United States and those in Eastern Europe are over. Republicans seek to take control of the House of Representatives. Republicans are going to retake both the House and Senate. A liberal MSNBC host warning Democrats about the potential for a red wave. Do we have any sort of canary in the coal mine type indications of where we may be headed on that front? Fox News is calling the Virginia governor's race for Republican Glenn Youngkin. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. Uh, welcome back to the Ruthless Variety program. Ladies uh, and gentlemen, I mean, this is this is an incredible episode because it's following up. So folks right now, or today when we're recording on Monday, are listening to the live episode. And yeah. I just, when I see the reaction online, I mean, it's this is why we fight. Yeah. Uh, the crowd, like, uh, number one, shout out to that crowd. Like, that was... It was electric. Like I felt like we were like Led Zeppelin. Oh, what a night! On I mean, stage. they they were just so good. We have the best audience in radio. Hundred percent, really, really do. the 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 audience was fantastic. Uh, the venue was fantastic. We had a ball doing it. Yeah. Um, thank you to everybody who who showed up. I heard rumors of somebody throwing up, which means uh, good show. Yeah. My opinion. <laughs> it's a yeah. sign and, of a and, good time. And for the first time, I'm surprised it wasn't me. I mean. <laughs> I think when, when we get the video up there, do we have a time frame on that one? Um, I mean, we, we got it back uh, yesterday. We'll we'll throw it up there. We, it'll be on YouTube uh, by the time you're listening to this. Oh, wow. All yeah. right. So, uh, folks, uh, I, I want to apologize in advance. I was having a great time. You know, we, we raced through this bottle of bourbon. I think we, were, we kicked it by halftime. Right, yeah. By intermission. And uh, I was sipping, apparently— just grabbed a bottle of Tito's casually, uh, just popped the top, and like I guess somewhere near the end of our show, I'm just straight sipping a bottle of Tito's, <laughs> having a conversation with the guy. That's so great. I mean, we were having a, a great time. Like the energy of that crowd was insane. We yeah. just they they were sitting in the room with us. Yeah. And I think everybody seemed to love it. They were singing the songs with us. They yep. did the trivia. Most of the people knew it. There were a couple of like completely errant answers. But to be honest with you. I was just blown away by the energy. Yeah. And I think we fed off of it. I think that, like, when you hear the crowd chanting, ruthless, ruthless, and then you walk out, you just, this is just a horse fighting podcast. Yeah, right. We're just talking to our friends. Yeah. And it turns out that we there are so many people out there who love the show, and we just can't thank them enough. I mean, we just have the best listeners. Yeah. I mean, this show is is because of the crowd, and I think that, that live event really proved it. Thank you all so very much. Yeah, so uh, uh, no Holmes today, unfortunately. Um, you know, his I think he's got some kids who are a little feeling a little under the weather, so he's unable to be on on the program today. But we got a lot of news. We're gonna have a great episode. Uh, Super Bowl. Yeah, first topic that we should tackle, even though it's like a, a poor John Ashbrook. Man, Ooh. what a what a rough night. What a rough night for the Bengals. I, I didn't see the score of the Colts game or the. Oh Broncos come game. on! Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, but, well now I don't feel so bad for you. I'm glad you lost. Well, listen, we'll probably be back next year. I don't. So uh, how, how do you feel about getting a free touchdown? Listen, I'm, I'm not the refs gonna, I'm gifted not, him a yeah, 75 yard touchdown. I'm not going to complain about the refs. You know, at the end of the game, they overlooked like there were two or three. There were two or three Rams who were offsides. Oh, uh, they, oh God! God. They, ga- they gave the Rams a call on a holding call at the very end. I, and I really saved think their the drive. thing that's been holding the Bengals from becoming a dynasty for all these years <laughs> has been an offsides call. You know, I think that's that's the reason why. Well, not you, because the fans haven't. The the thing is that if we can be completely honest. 
we we can stop rooting for the underdog. Bengals <laughs> fans aren't good. They're not good fans. They're not loyal. Don't listen they to them. They don't back the don't, team. Don't listen to them. You know, th- this, this is, guy's from New York. The, the he, sad, he's from New York. He hates you. The sad, <laughs> the sad thing is, is that like they finally they they lucked into this poor guy who they drafted. You know, Joe Burrow, who. Oh yes, now let's be excited about the Bengals. It's, uh, it, you know, I encourage Burrow leave that team as soon as possible. Look at Stafford. <laughs> how, how long did Matthew Stafford have to like twelve years? He stuck with the Lions till he can f- win win something. I mean, yeah, you got to feel good for for Stafford, all right? Like we we all won. Detroit lost. Yeah. I mean, huge congratulations to Matthew Stafford for getting on a team with Cooper Cup because yeah. that's just like the cheat code. Absolute cheat. It code. is nuts. Absolutely. The Chico. one thing I did like, I do like about Cooper Cup. Did you see his uh, high school profile? And he he was a zero star player out of high school. Yeah, he was. Uh, he went. Didn't he go to some state school? Like uh, out of nowhere, I think he was like a fifth round pick. And the dude is just. I mean, he was the most dominant player in fantasy in any position yeah you you got to respect the guy and you got to respect stafford uh you got to respect the rams but i'm i mean i'm very excited about the Bengals. it's been a long time since we were this good joe burrow jamar chase the whole squad is just incredible and you know maybe we'll tune up the o-line a little bit in the offseason and um and be back in the super bowl again next year i mean that's to, to me that's what it came down to is i think burrow is incredibly talented um on and off field like when he's rolling up looking like uh he's he's from color me bad or yeah. or, or vanilla ice yeah like it is that's just awesome yeah. so you're gonna root for a guy who does that to begin with um but he's incredibly talented um my call and, and i was telling you this before we started recording ashbrook is i don't think the Bengals will be back i don't think they're gonna win a super bowl i don't think they're gonna be back at the super bowl for at least the next 10 to 15 years <laughs> i think this was like their shot and, and, and i think burrow is gonna get picked up by you know honestly i hope uh the broncos you know as usual we're gonna flail around uh i hope in two years when burrow is available we pick him up we get back to the super bowl because like the one thing the broncos seem to be able to do a decent job is offensive line so you know if you give that guy an o-line every play he was just getting chased down in that Super Bowl. I, Every play. Like, the guy has, like, a, a second and a half to get the ball out. I mean, there is no offensive line for the Bengals. I think Cincinnati's going to have some free agent pickups on the O-line. I think we're, we're going to be able to uh, pick up some guys in the draft. But, I mean, I understand why you're skeptical. But all I have to say is then the final play of the game, the final play of fourth and one, Jamar Chase had Jalen Ramsey beat. Yeah. A lot of people didn't yeah. notice this because Joe Burrow got hit. Yeah. And if you retool the O line just a little bit and he has just a split second longer, I mean I think it's that's just, a touchdown. It's it's a lot of it. I mean, there is no offensive line. Is it like uh, I remember in the second quarter, uh the commentator was like, It's weird. It seems like, you know, Cincinnati can't establish a running back. I was like, how the hell are you gonna establish any sort of a run game right. when like the ball is snapped and in half a second you've got But I mean you're up against Von Miller and Aaron Donald. Yeah. Like yeah, it, I mean the, that the that the Broncos let Von Miller get away, unbelievable. And, and th- but that's another thing about the Rams is like they were a team. It was it was almost like Yankee style of okay, folks, we will spend or do whatever necessary to win a championship now. Right. Like I think that like the Rams, the entire model that they were built on is we win the Super Bowl now because there's no way they can keep the talent together that they have right now. Yeah, Col- no I mean Colts had the same sort of thing going at one point. Um, with you know Peyton Manning, mm. and then we had Dwight Freeney, 
right? Yeah. And Ro- and and Robert Mathis and Marvin Harrison. It was an insane. Well, yeah, but I guess what I'm saying is like when you can sling it and force teams to chase you, right? Like if you can put mm-hmm. up 28, 31 points every game. Like your defense ends up, even if your defense isn't amazing, it makes your defense look better because they can just pin their ears back and rush the quarterback like crazy. And like, you know, that, that's how you win. That's the mob. Speaking of defense, the Bengals defense was pretty good yesterday. Pretty good. I mean, Honestly. they, they yeah. held they yeah. held yeah. the Rams to almost no rushing. In fact, the Bengals had twice as many rushing yards as the Rams. I mean, there had. was only a couple of plays that like Darrell Henderson got some yards and, and that was it. Like I knew that that the, that the rushing game had to be respected when they were like, uh, I think it was the last drive. I mean, the Rams were out of ideas. Like, how the hell do we move the ball? I mean, Cooper Cup. They just did that, like, draw play. They're That's like, right. just have Cooper Cup run the ball. So so enough about the football game. Because yeah. the Super Bowl is obviously about more than just the game. Favorite commercial? So, so this is a crazy one. Uh, for me... There was uh, well a couple that I like. Number one, I liked the the Coinbase one with the bouncing QR code. I thought that was clever. And apparently, they got something like ten million hits to their website. Damn! In, in fifteen minutes, absolute success. Um, but I liked, and I think it was marketed terribly. Uh, the the Q Health. It's it's a machine, a, a tiny little machine, uh, like the size of a coffee mug that you can do at home COVID tests. But but they aren't like the 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 cheapo ones that you know you get. If you can get them at like a pharmacy, uh, th- those like rapid antigen tests, there it uses the same thing as like a PCR test, which is like yeah. the gold standard. And uh, you know, oftentimes for work, I've, I have to travel all over the place, and, and so many airlines like uh, Air France requires a PCR test, and it has to be done within like 48 hours of the time that you board the plane. And it typically takes like when you go to a lab. 36 hours for a PCR test. So like you're it's it's a pain in the ass, but this company Q Health, that little machine apparently does PCR caliber tests and and they get like a, a doctor on a video call or whatever. Uh and it, it certifies it that it can be used for travel. Uh and and they market it how they had like an Alexa talking in the commercial so it sounds horrific. Like you know, big tech. Yeah, like here's have, this thing's going to spy on yeah, you. Right. Yeah. Right. Awful marketing. Yeah. yeah. Awful marketing. Uh, I, I was like, that sounds crazy. It sounds like uh, well, the 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 lady who 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 went to prison with the machine, Theranos. It sounded like what Theranos originally promised. Remember, they were like, you can yeah, have Elizabeth little, Holmes. Yeah, yeah, Elizabeth Holmes. That she was like, oh, drop of blood, yeah, take all these tests. This little sort of toaster-sized machine at home can tell you, you know, your health diagnosis because it does more than just COVID tests. It does a bunch of different tests. Um, but I wouldn't have known any of that if I hadn't like researched it because initially I was like, this sounds insane. I don't want like you know, my data to be shared with and and they they completely marketed it ass backwards. They don't share their data with anyone. You're the only one who gets it. They they assign a doctor to get on a video cam, watch you do the test, so then he can be like, Yes, it was done correctly. So it's verified by a third verified party. Verified by by yeah. a third party. Um and, and it, it it's like so tiny. It's it's it can you can throw it in a carry on bag have a PCR test. That's I just don't, but don't you think of. like, you know, people are going to be over it, over the testing and the COVID well, well, stuff. Well, here's the thing summer. is I have been over it for some time. It's, it's, it's society. It's, it's, it's yeah. society. It's, it's the companies. If I want to get on a plane that are not over it. 
Um, so, I mean, I ordered one. And after I went online and did my research, which is awful that a company did such a bad job marketing that, like, you have oh, to go dude, and read it on your own. Yeah. It's if it, to, to your point, I mean, if you were to just watch the commercial, nobody in their right mind would buy something no one, that no just one. exposes more of their privacy. I, I, was, I Googled it, and I was like, I'm hoping for, like, horror stories. And it was like, all the stories were... We've we've done lab testing and it was ninety nine percent accurate. Same results as a PCR. The only horror stories, oddly enough, are Glassdoor. So I guess that company treats their employees like shit. But hey, <laughs> as long as you let me get on a plane, I'm okay with you guys. But I mean, to the point about the ads, I, I think like you asked the question, what was the favorite ad? I'm trying to think, what was a favorite ad? And, and I mean, my my, ans- I, I my answer is the Meadow the Meadow Soprano the Chevy ad. Yeah, which I thought was awesome. I mean, like just because like. I don't know. It just sort of owns that um, we're at that geriatric millennial period of our lives where, like, all consumer you're, marketing is— You're an older is, guy, Duncan. Is, so, like, that's what it feels like for you, right? Yeah. Like, okay. Is, um, it's, like, marketed, toward, like, directly to us. Like, the Zoomers probably had no clue that that was the Soprano, a reference to the Sopranos, which I think is hilarious. I think it was—the uh, uh, Super Bowl in general was this great cultural marker. I know, because of the halftime, too. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. okay, the the millennials are now the boomers, right? Like they now culturally, the halftime show is no longer like the Eagles, right? It's it's Dre and Snoop, and it should have only been like Dre, Snoop, Mary J. Blige. I don't like. Could, I was against could, having Eminem it. or Fifty Cent. They should have had Ice Cube. You know, they should have just Easy E hologram. Yeah, yeah. Bring him in. Bring Tupac in on a hologram. I agree. I, I just think they should have just done Chronic Two Thousand One. Hundred percent. Just do 100%. that album. Just do that do album. Do that. Do Chronic. Do 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 Snoop's first <clears throat> album, which we have families listening. I won't mention the name for that one. Yeah, great album. But like uh, beyond that, it's like millennials are now the boomers. They 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 have their nostalgia, which is now becoming the dominant force that advertisers are trying to harness. Uh, the housing market. Millennials are, are lighting it up on that front. Oh, that's an ad that that's an ad that I loved. What is uh, the one about? Uh, uh, what was it like Rocket Mortgage or something? The Barbie dollhouse where they're like, Barbie wants to buy a house, and they're like, Oh, this guy's coming in. Like Ken, all cash Ken is rolling up to buy that, and then like uh, uh, like uh, Fix It Skipper who, who's trying to like buy a house, fix it up, and and, and flip it. I loved that ad. Uh, you know, anyone who goes on Zillow these days. Like knows the pain. Like oh, you, you hard a house if you don't put in a bid and close that deal in thirty minutes, it's gone. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't like any of them. I just I didn't like <laughs> any of the ads. I think it shows that all of the creative thinking and advertising is moving online and into memes mm. and into engagement yeah. where there's actual real uh, there's a real benefit. And then the people who are making ads in thirty second snippets are sort of the B-teamers because they know that 30-second ads on television are less important going forward. Oh, wow. That is, we're, wow. we're gonna get some chirp backs from, from some TV people. That's okay. <laughs> they can they can do it in 30 seconds on TV and nobody will hear. Well, you know what, I like that. That's a great take. Enough of our reviews of the Super Bowl. How about some five-star reviews of the program? Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I, you, you read that first? No, you read it. Alrighty, this is from Psych Green. It says, thank you for lightening the mood. I love this podcast. I heard you guys talking to Megan Kelly. Thank you so much, friend of the program. I admire her so much. She has so much integrity. You guys make me laugh so hard, and it's what we need right now. Things can feel very heavy, and I love that you help us laugh about the ridiculousness. The episode starting with Knock Three Times. Uh, I mean, that was, yeah. dude, that was all you, right, Duncan, coming up with that, that was, idea? That was all you, Duncan. That yeah. was brilliant. Well, it was a group effort. Uh, Hollywood Hen on the... On Clavicles. The, yeah, the clav- <laughs> 
I mean, you, I, I wish everyone listening to this could could have been here at the moment of conception of this idea where that Hen is like walking around the office trying to find items to be the pipes and just banging on I, things. I, I rolled up midway when like the recording's <laughs> underway. Yeah. I roll up in the studio. I dropped my bag on the desk. I took a picture in, in the Ruthless Podcast account. Sent yeah. that out there. Yeah. yeah, Smug and I walked in together that day and it was like I walked in in a room of Foley artists. It was uh, it, it was incredible. Uh, I knew it was a moment in history. Yeah, moment that in thing, history. That should be on Spotify. And you, ca- you captured it. You put it out on Twitter. It was, yeah. it was an absolute banger. Um, it says, knock three times, huh? So who am I? I live in a small southern Utah town. I'm 50 years old. Mother of four and grandmother. Congratulations. Wow. It's strange to watch news based on the East Coast, D.C., New York. Yes, it is. Yes. Those people are just weird. That's, a, uh, I think, in the live show, I tried to stress that, right? Like, uh, everyone needs to understand, especially the listeners of this program, the vast majority of Americans are normal people like us. It's, right. It's these crazy nut jobs uh, in the coast in D.C. and New York who are trying to yeah, make no. you think— yeah, this is exactly right. That's this it. Is, this is a sentiment that has, has really turned people against mainstream media. Yeah. COVID has not been as big of a deal in my town after the first 60 days. Like, everywhere across the country, yeah. it's, it's just the co- uh, coastal people. Uh, I honestly can't imagine having been under the restrictions other places have been. You guys are great. Keep up the good work. Very informative. I wish you guys were in the White House press room asking tough questions. That would that rule. That would be awesome. They should yeah. let us That would there. rule. I think it would be awesome. God bless you. God bless you, Site Green. Wow. All right. Well, I'll read this one. This is from Chown, uh, 1879. Only the best of my week. Love you guys. I'm relatively new to podcasts and first heard you guys on Megan Kelly. Again, Megan Kelly. Yeah. Thank um, you so much. Now I am hooked. Longtime conservative in Indigo Blue, Portland. Oh, man. Bless That's you tough, for bro. staying. Yeah. Fight the good fight. And thank God our comrade leaders haven't found a way to build a China internet fence yet. Of course they would if they could. That's right. We need your voices here. Keep on crashing the commie gates. Holmes, your laugh makes me crack up every time, and your friendship with each other is contagious. I'm a deep Jesus follower, but I'll even forgive your F-bombs because you're just too much fun. That's okay. (laughs) Yes, we feel bad about it uh, too, but, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, don't change a thing. Just keep it coming. I've I've made a conscious decision. I've cut back on my uh, my god D's or gosh darns. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we all try a little bit, but then you got like the live show where you you just can't let it fly. Got to let it fly. Um, well, big news. Uh, the first topic we have here: foreign policy, Russia, Ukraine. Um, this is like something that's by the minute. Like yeah. as we're recording it. Like uh, to Ashbrook, I'm pulling up these tweets. Uh, the situation is dire, and I 100% wonder why when the entire world watched this administration absolutely shameful yeah. the way that they handled the withdrawal um, from Afghanistan, the way that over a dozen members of our military were killed oh, due to absolute it's, ineptitude. It's, um, the whole world saw what happened there. I remember thinking, like, uh, very early on, like, when they were trying to evacuate the embassy with, with, with their uh, uh, employees and helicopters, I was like, man, this is looking like Saigon. And that it ends up worse than Saigon? Yeah. That it ends up worse than the evacuation from Vietnam, which was considered just, you know, this, this pivotal moment in history that affected the psyche of Americans. The fact that Biden did an even worse job— and 
the whole world saw, and it's become very clear right. what they think of, of this president and this administration. Well, which, which is why we did that intro that we did today, mm-hmm. right? You know, I mean, like Biden, <laughs> you know, thinks, uh, you know, with him in the Oval Office that Putin would have uh, would respect him. And of course, that's not the case. We have news here from uh, PBS, I believe. Yes, PBS. Uh, quote, the U.S. believes Russian President Vladimir Putin has decided to invade Ukraine and has communicated that decision to the Russian military. Three Western and defense officials tell me. And so to the point that this is a, an ever-moving target, to the other point that Smug made, that people really don't know what to expect on the heels of Afghanistan, this is something that is developing on a daily basis. And this is, uh, this is going to be a conflict that we witness in a way we've never witnessed any conflict before. Thinking back to Afghanistan and the withdrawal, most of the images that people saw were not filtered by corporate media. Right. These were images that were coming through from people shooting it on their iPhones, putting it on social media, and it's telling a story that's very, very different from what we saw when somebody sits in front of uh, rockets flying in Tel Aviv and tells us what exactly is happening in Iraq that night. I, I, I think I think this is something. I'm I'm going to go ham on this in, in in one of the segments we have coming up, or the one right after this. But I think that is such an important point that you're making is, do you think the media that we have today, all the mainstream outlets, New York Times, CBS, NBC, do you think they would have shown us those images that we saw of people clinging to planes taking off in Afghanistan that were shot on, on, on iPhones, put on the internet, that were tweeted out, do you think we would have heard about any of that? If it was still those folks acting as the gatekeepers, which is what they so desperately want to be again. You know, I think we'll never know. We'll absolutely never know. I was watching a news package that was, I'm not going to mention which broadcast network it was. Over the weekend, I was watching a news package ahead of Ukraine, and it was the same old B-roll of tanks rolling over Mm -hmm. little hills. People, you know, these old buildings in Eastern Europe girding their loins. And the reality is the images that people are going to see will be so much more real and so much more timely than these broadcast networks could ever come up with that they will dominate the story. I think so. I think so. I think uh, whatever ends up happening here, um, a couple things. I think online is where people are going to see what is actually unfolding. And I think that is an admission of the fact that legacy media has completely lost control of the narrative that they so desperately cling to when they try to censor folks like Joe Rogan, um, when yep. they attack tech companies, they just want to maintain the stranglehold that they had of why why don't you people just you should only trust what we have to say exactly. And the audience hates that hates they just that. they just want to know what's the information and let me decide what it is that is happening over there. I don't want you to filter it for me. And they don't believe anything they're being told by corporate media. And the joke the whole CNN a coordinated campaign against Joe Rogan only makes them less credible. That's, that's right. it. And, 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 and in front of your very eyes, when you were seeing that summer of riots, when CNN has a reporter in front of a building being torched, saying fiery but mostly peaceful protests, right, right. you know, they've lost all credibility and it's their fault. And that's what they can't get a grip on is they're like, Wow, why are people listening to Joe Rogan? We have to get rid of him so they only listen to us. Don't they realize right. we know? We can't give them a what choice. They should be able to hear. Yeah. yeah. 
<clears throat> so uh, one thing I want to uh, uh, want to mention. So Jake Sullivan. Oh my God. More about him later. I, I, I'm going to go in on that. Uh, said Biden will not put U.S. troops at risk in Ukraine by quote sending them into a war zone to rescue people who could have left now but chose not to. Oh my God. Says the threat is high enough that all Americans should leave Ukraine while commercial air, train, and roads are open. And uh, I actually looked into this. Uh, there's only, like, I think two carriers willing to leave Ukraine during this entire <clears throat> time. Uh, Lufthansa, the German carrier, yeah. is willing to get out. And I think uh, a, a, there's a flight to Oman. I can't remember which carrier is willing to do that. And let me tell you the ticket prices. Yikes. Because they know. Yeah. They're like, well, if you if you want to leave with your life— uh, we're we're going to be like the last game in town until, you know, Joe Biden's got you holding on to a plane. And the way that they're spinning this announcement, though, is very interesting to me. The Axios picked up the spin and put it in their own words uh, as if they were the ones who came up with it. But they wrote, after being branded incompetent and seeing their popularity ratings plummet after the Afghanistan debacle, President Obama and team have decided. President they Biden. said President Obama? No. Oh, they <laughs> President Biden. <laughs> President Biden and team have decided to overshare information, coordinate closely and publicly with allies and tell Americans to leave the embattled country now. Wow. And it's just like, okay, thanks, guys. I'm, I'm sure that's what they're trying there is there is no excuse for something bad that happens. They're responsible. It, it, here's what's going on is this this administration has become such an abject failure. Uh, I think bringing up, you know, saying uh, it's uh, Obama's administration is is a great little touch point because this administration is staffed by like the fourth and fifth string of the Obama administration like the folks who were I love when he says that who were getting coffee for the backbenchers like folks who were getting coffee for the for the for yeah, people it seems who like are, they, they learned a lot of the bad habits huh like the these were the people getting coffee for the gophers right right and you know the the Obama folks they left they got their jobs at Amazon they got their jobs in corporate America you know they they started their media companies their media company crooked media success um you know they went they made their money and who was left is you had a bunch of these clowns, absolutely the, the worst of the worst. And when the presidential primary for the Dems rolls up, everyone's staffing up on talent. They've got like Elizabeth, uh, uh, what's her name in, in Massachusetts? Warren. Elizabeth Warren's campaign. You've got the Kamala Harris campaign. Pete Buttigieg out of nowhere. You know, that campaign gained steam. Like the last person to enter and, and, the, and who Dems were the least excited about is the Biden campaign right. un until God knows what deal they cut to be able to win South Carolina. Like, he was getting steamrolled, and, and the people on that campaign, I mean, they weren't the top-flight folks. I have to say, though, between the Obama campaign and the Biden campaign, there was another campaign. And that campaign has made news this past week in an incredible way. Yeah. Michael, did you see what happened? I did. I did. Um... <clears throat> I was a little, little busy this weekend, so I didn't get to read the whole story from Fox, uh, but we have it right here. Um, Hillary and the Russians. Uh, lawyers for the Clinton campaign paid a tech technology company to, quote, infiltrate servers belonging to Trump Tower and later the White House in order to establish an inference and narrative to bring <laughs> to bring to government agencies linking Donald Trump to Russia, Wait, a filing 
from special counsel John Durham says. Can we just back up for a second to the first half of that sentence? <clears throat> because it is the most explosive news it I've is. heard in it, politics in about 10 years. And yeah. the fucking mainstream media right. will not cover it. It's unbelievable. This is this is it's quite literally criminal. They will not cover this is, it. And, and I think here's the thing is. Uh, so one of the reasons they will not cover it is because these legacy media companies were all culpable right. in pushing this insane delusion, this politically motivated falsehood right. of, of Trump and the Russians. It was all made up. It was all a lie. The mainstream media and and companies like Twitter, companies like Twitter, who who, who protect and, and help these groups control the narrative. The, the same way that now they were they're willing to clamp down on Hunter Biden, even though we now know that's all the truth. Right. They they join hands with with the the Hillary campaign. I want to I want to read this straight from straight from uh, Fox News. It says, "Lawyers for the Clinton campaign paid a technology company to infiltrate right, servers right, belonging right, to Trump Tower." Right. 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 It was right. all. Right. I, it was all. They're hacking. They they hacked into right, Trump Tower. Right, right. They hacked into the White House. That's a nice way of saying they hacked. And they spied on the sitting president of the United States. It's a crime. It's a crime. It's an absolute crime. Right. It says uh, it, it, right here, um, Durham filed a motion on February 11th focused on potential conflicts of interest related to the representation of former Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman. Yes, yes. Who has been charged with making a false statement to federal agents. Sussman has pleaded not guilty. The indictment against Sussman says he told then FBI General Counsel James Baker in September 2016, less than two months before the 2016 presidential election, that he was not doing work, quote, for any client when he requested and held a meeting in which he presented, quote, purported data and white papers that allegedly demonstrated a covert communications channel between the Trump Organization and Alpha Bank, Jeez. which has ties to the Kremlin. It's just absolutely incredible. And so... You know, saying, quote, you know, not not doing work for any client, the implication being like, you oh, know, yeah, this is right. just a, you know, I'm, I'm doing giving this you a heads up out of the goodness to, of my heart because of this is a national security threat. And in reality, he was working for the fucking Clintons. OK, can I pause just for one second? Because a few minutes ago we were talking about when nobody watches the mainstream media anymore. Nobody trusts them and everybody watch, listens to Joe Rogan. The reality is that for years they told us that this was real. Every right. single outlet right. had all this information. Oh, it's true. It's Time true, magazine it's true. put the White House turning into St. Peter's Square. Right, right. As the cover for when Trump was elected, they began instantly. Like the, the how it was a concentrated effort of the media and the Dems hand in hand to tarnish Donald Trump and his presidency with absolute lies, criminal lies. These are criminal lies, dude. It's just wild that you had to hear them and and see printed a million times over four years ties to the kremlin ties to the kremlin ties to the yeah, kremlin yeah and now putin's on the fucking doorstep of ukraine and everyone's like oh well there's nothing we can do about that you know what i mean it's a chicken coming home to roost it's incredible so what ends up happening here so i i, I want to read the new york I post just, had a the, great the, article the, dis, the dishonesty from the mainstream yeah. media burns me up so much there is there is no journalistic curiosity there is zero at like dude. And the, why, and the people it, responsible for this in the media, uh, who who perpetuated this bullshit, got promoted. They got promotions. Yeah, all of them got their little book deals, right? Because they knew, hey, you know, uh, if I want to get TV hits, 
If I want to be able to sign a book deal in my contributor contracts, I better get on and push this bullshit about Russia, about Trump is a secret KGB agent. The amount of people who have made money, and there were all those like little uh, 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 sketchy fly-by-night groups oh, yeah. which were making ads about how Trump is Russian. Right. Like a, a Lincoln, Lincoln Project among them. Like there were all these groups who just made money uh, raising raising funds off of folks, tricking them into thinking this Russia absolute lie was 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 the um, America's under attack. And this is the thing: uh, the audience wants the truth. The audience wants to know what are the facts, so I can make a decision for myself. And if the New York Times is not is not big enough to run a story about how they were wrong yeah. on the front page. For multiple days, investigating what went wrong and how they got, to, how they reached the conclusion with honest answers about the political motivations of the editors at that newspaper and the political motivations of the of the the goals of that newspaper. There's no point in reading. That's the it. thing. Right. Is what what makes me so mad is the absolute lack of accountability. The reason that you're not seeing this on the New York Times, the reason you're not seeing this on CNN or MSNBC is those people do not believe in any sort of accountability. Well, None. Yeah, right, because this implica- I mean, it doesn't just implicate the Clinton campaign. The, the Fox News story also says that, you know, sources told Fox News the lawyer mentioned in this filing is Mark Elias. Oh, wow. The left's famous Twitter lawyer. Yeah, yeah. Who, who knows that, uh, you know, libs can very easily be separated from their money pushing these kind of insane delusions. I wanted to read this New York Post article because I think it does such a great job of very clearly, because for so long, you know, when, when, when people be like, uh, are you following the Durham case and the indictments? Right. And I would try to. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not an attorney. I don't understand legalese, which is why I love the way that the New York Post broke this down. These are these are the facts. These yes. are from the indictments and, 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 and what is actually happening, folks. It says here, uh, Russiagate, the collective delusion that Donald Trump was... <laughs> I love that. Yeah, straight mm-hmm, up. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- that Donald Trump was secretly a Russian agent aided and abetted by the Kremlin, the topic of uncountable inches of Washington Post and New York Times copy, and the entire primetime lineup of MSNBC was a dirty trick by the Hillary Clinton campaign. Not just part of it, all of it. One of the most diabolical successful misinformation campaigns ever concocted i just love i I love that wind up i i I love that wind up that you know i mean like we we are gonna have to it's like a dog who pees in the house like you gotta shove his face in it you know they need to know what they did wrong that's the truth dude they are the dog that peed in the house we have to shove their faces in this you do but but we shouldn't have to rely on the one publication who was brave enough to write about hunter biden and everybody else and that twitter wouldn't allow we shouldn't tweet exactly. We should not have to rely on just one. Everybody should do. Everybody should be doing this. This is this is this is a message to broadcast media and mainstream media. People read you and watch you for information, not to tell them <laughs> right. what they're supposed to think. Right. They just want to know what's going on in the world. They don't want to know what their morals should be. They just want information. So stop it. Stop with information. Don't tell them what their what your morals are. Don't try to change people. Right. right. Don't just, try to shape the narrative. <laughs> just give them the facts. And if 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 a if a news article is literally 500 words of this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, it would be the most refreshing 
It would. 500 words it that would. anybody's read in a very long time. I, I got to read this thread from Glenn Greenwald as well, speaking of you know people who get ignored by the mainstream media. Uh, this thread's just fantastic. He says, <clears throat> this is part of the criminal case against Hillary's lawyer, Michael Sussman. He fed FBI, then CIA, the fabricated Alpha Bank story and was accused of lying when telling FBI he wasn't representing any client. Question is whether this is leading to a broader conspiracy case. The New York Times, CNN, NBC, Axis flooded the zone. Every time Robert Mueller scratched his nose, they spent hours and hours deciphering his sneeze. Actual criminal indictments from Durham of Hillary's lawyer or FBI operatives, crimes that created Russiagate, barely met merit an article. The two journalists who primarily promoted the Alpha Bank Trump fraud, Natasha Bertrand mm -hmm. and Franklin Four, were promoted. She is now the White House CNN reporter. That That is her job Think about now. that. Think about that. I mean, absolutely incredible. I want, I want to continue the New York Post in their breakdown. It says, now another piece of Russia, Russia, Russia is kaput. A computer server operated by Trump's company was secretly communicating with a Russian firm, claimed Slate Magazine and endless Twitter threads of would-be tech experts. Y'all remember that? Yeah, those like, tech now they're COVID experts. Oh, know? yeah. yeah. Uh, but as special counsel John Durham outlines in his latest indictment, that was just a story made up by tech executive Rodney Jaffe, who desperately wanted a job with the Clinton administration. He hacked Trump's servers, cherry-picked privileged internet data he had access to, and molded it to look like something nefarious. He was coached by lawyer Michael Sussman, who was being paid by the Clinton administration, although he lied about that to investigators. Sussman goes to the FBI as a, quote, concerned citizen, not a, quote, Clinton stooge, to try to get them to bite. The ultimate goal... Be, this is what it was all for, folks. The ultimate goal, be able to leak to the Times that Trump is under official investigation. Durham definitely showed that the Hillary Clinton campaign directly funded and ordered its lawyers at Perkins Co. to orchestrate a criminal enterprise to fabricate a connection between President Trump and Russia, God. says Cash Patel, the former chief investigator for the House Intel Committee. People, people have to go to prison for this. People have to go a to prison for this. A lot of people have to go to prison for this, not just the people who are involved there. Honestly, to me, it feels like a lot of the media are criminals. The way that they have behaved, the way that they, they are demanding that, uh, oh, th there has to be some kind of a violent crackdown on these on these truckers for honking. Right. The way that they're like, listen, we, we believe in democracy and we think that we should have a, a right to uh, silence anyone online for what we're saying is misinformation. This was the greatest right. misinformation campaign yeah, in history. How, how this much, was an attack on, this was trying to This was the elections. real attack this on was, democracy. There you go. Right. This was really It was it. to influence elections. Right. They all want to make their money off of it. None of them are, like, like Ashbrook said, none of them are apologizing for this. This is, this goes beyond a scandal. Like their whole industry should, if if they had any integrity, which they don't, journalists today have zero integrity. If they had any integrity, they would stop, they would reflect, and they'd say, "What what what have I done? What what are we doing? What has happened to our industry?" It's unbelievable. Well, I, I gotta be. I I mean, just just to put a little bit of a finer point on it, I, I the one point where I would disagree. I think there are there. I'm gonna get blown up. Oh, on here we Twitter go for saying this. I think there are a lot of journalists. I think there are a lot of editors who are in it for the right reasons. I think that their voices just are not heard because right. of the corporate interests that are influencing their organizations. I think that there well, are and people, people are acting in their self-interest, right? Like, I mean, Natasha Bertrand, 
got a lot of TV time by making these yep. allegations. Yep. Right? And when you get a lot of TV time, what happens? You're going to get promoted. Mm-hmm. Someone's going to give you a contract. You end up the White House CNN reporter. It's a really plum, plum gig. Unbelievable. Right? So, like, you know, people are acting in, in their own self-interest. I just think that there are people <clears throat> who go into journalism out of curiosity. I don't think so anymore. I I, I think it's all changed. They all just want to be their little influencers, and they think, you know, maybe if I can do it as being a, quote, journalist, I can make that happen. I think that whole industry... It has is is it resembles nothing like what it was intended for or what it used to be. I think if they had any shame, which they don't, which is why they are now modern journalism really is just trying to be an influencer with 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 a blue hashtag on Twitter. <laughs> if they had any integrity or shame, they would be apologizing and they would take this moment to reflect on what they have done. And they won't. They just keep moving on. And they're like, I, oh, you know, this has nothing to do with the fact that now Putin is at the doors of Ukraine. Right. This has nothing to do with us. That's just a coincidence. Yeah, trying if Donald to help Trump elect was Biden right. off of these lies, where where the entire time that President Trump was in office, the world was shook. No one tried any shit. Right. right. Like Soleimani gets turned into salsa. Yeah. Like no one tried that shit when Trump was in office, and now it's open season. Right. Wait, open season on who? Did you see what CNN's reporting? Oh yeah, yeah. So this is this is. And this is what uh, uh, CNN. No, they just move on. They just move on to another person. It was Donald Trump then. It's Joe Rogan now. That's, it says uh, this was this is an actual article. This was po- uh, posted on uh, Sunday, February thirteenth. It says on CNN, Joe Rogan's use of the N word is another January sixth moment. It's unbelievable, unbelievable. And that's not an opinion piece. It's analysis. Like it's they consider analysis. that hard hitting. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so listeners, of the Variety program might be familiar with this this sort of piece but what analysis is is when they want to launder an opinion piece into the front page of cnn they call it analysis right so you don't think oh well this is someone's opinion this is just analysis unbiased analysis of the story right i mean it's the thing reads like they're trying to keyword stuff like january 6th is like five times in the first four paragraphs it's just absolutely insane these people have no shame, and all this is about is money and right, power. Right. They want to have total control. Right. They don't want anyone to be able to have a dissenting opinion. They just want to get back the stature that they had when they had integrity. That's what they don't get is if you are honest people, because the reason people listen to Walter Cronkite isn't because, oh, uh, he's revealing how the president's a Russian agent. No. Right. They're like, if I listen to Walter Cronkite, I know this facts. guy's going to get give me the facts. Right. I can trust this guy. They've lost all trust, and they're like, well, what do we do? Well, why don't we stop anyone else from being right, to, right, like, right. Uh, because because the media has become a tool to shut down political speech, any dissent. We've seen what's happening in Canada. Have you guys seen what's happening in Canada? Yeah, yeah. the truckers, yeah. I mean, you talk about a government looking to shut down political speech. Justin Trudeau belongs in jail. So so my, tie, my, my take on this is, let me start with uh, what Trudeau said. He said, uh, Trudeau speaking live... Uh, lays the blame for these blockades at the feet of U.S. citizens. Unbelievable. He says the blockades are filled with Americans. Americans are funding them and, quote, everything is on the table to end it. Didn't he declare martial law or something? So he, he put it out that he, he's, he's going to be willing to use that. Yeah, he's, he's apparently that's something he's considering. And I, I got to tell you, I grew up in Ohio thinking that Canada was basically just America's hat. <laughs> I think that hey, we have a lot of listeners up there. Well, I'm, I'm about to say what I've learned is that these truckers who are busting their ass in Canada 
doing everything they can to provide for themselves and their families and being told by the government, no, you're not allowed. Right. These people are leaders. These right. people are heroes. And, and so I think an, a very important way, a, a prism to view that this situation is an example of the Super Bowl where you saw in the box seats, you saw Hollywood's finest. Oh, yeah. They didn't have to wear masks. No. None of them were stopped to be like, could you show me your vaccine card? And could you please wear a mask? And all your children, could they please be masked? They were having a great time. And then the news broke about uh, an example in D.C. where they said that uh, I think uh, February 28th they will no longer require masks in restaurants and bars. Um, they will still require them inside of schools. Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. The double standard is just really hard to stomach. I, I You saw Garcetti, the mayor, who mm, said mm. when he was pictured without a mask last week that he was just holding his breath. Yeah. Well, and, no, it was, it was, it was uh, uh, what's his name? That idiot now. The one who, um, it, it's not Garcetti. Newsom? Newsom. Yeah, yeah. Newsom. both of them. Both, Newsom. Oh, yeah, both use the same or, or the governor. Wait, was it, Garcetti said the same line? Yeah, he said the same Was it Garcetti? Line. He used the same oh, just my God, incredible. my mistake. Yeah. It's, Holy shit. They, 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 they think you're so stupid. You know, it's just absolutely, absolutely incredible. And and they are, the thing is, is this went so beyond trust the science. I think it's another example of how they try to maintain control. Um, their whole agenda from the get-go was like, okay, listen, you dumb rubes. I can work on Zoom, and I want you to just drop off, you know, my, my meal for yeah. me. Don't knock on the door. Don't look me in the eyes. Get the hell out of here, you disgusting blue-collar worker. Uh, do whatever is required of you. Right. They're like, oh yes, we want to clap for the for the uh, you know the heroes. The heroes are the people who are getting food to the grocery store. Exactly. In and a pandemic. And, and and getting food to them. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. They're, they're sitting maskless in their booth, mm-hmm. watching the game that they didn't even know the, who the teams were. Mm-hmm. No mask. Somebody with a mask comes and gives them their food. And now that. they're like, there's no option not on the table. You're right. going to attack the people who brought you your food during a pandemic. You sick, you sick monsters. Can I, can I just go on? I mean, like, there's, there, this actually goes back to Canada because the Canadian state-controlled media is saying that it's the Russians behind Are they seriously? the Trucker Freedom oh Convoy. No fucking way. I'm not, no, we're I'm not, just going to play the I'm, hits. I'm literally not kidding you. The Canadian Broadcasting Corporation said Friday that the truckers protesting vaccine mandates in Canada were being, quote, directed and manipulated by foreign agents, close quote. That's just incredible. I mean, like, that's the sort of shit that you say in a dictatorship when you're struggling to hold on to power, right? It's unbelievable. That's n- not not like a free country or, quote, unquote, free country like Canada. Like, that, that is an insane thing. And it goes back to the previous story we were talking about with Russiagate. Like, people saw that blueprint, and they're like, yes, let's do that, right? Yep. Like, they saw that it worked, that yep. misinformation works. Yep. It's funny. Say people are Russian agents. They go on. Who would have reason right now to cause such much, such chaos in Canada? Well, the top of that list, Russia. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's got to be Russia. Oh, look, and we got a cybersecurity expert uh, chiming in here. We are actively engaged in a geopolitical battle about the future of the Ukraine, cybersecurity expert David Shipley said. Okay. We got more experts. Okay, they're, they're coming after Canada because of Ukraine. <laughs> That's unbelievable. I, I mean, it tells you that these folks are unwilling to grasp what the actual issue here is. 
where they are not willing to take responsibility to what they've done to the lives of yeah. hardworking citizens of this world with these lockdowns, with these restrictions, what they've been willing to do to the children who are trusting the science. Right. They are the least likely to develop any sort of a serious reaction to COVID are now and have been living under the most tyrannical of all restrictions. Right. And which has been shown by science to have uh, an indelible that you cannot change. They, they, they will never recover from their loss in terms of socialization, right. in terms of education, in terms of developing uh, uh, you know, their early speech habits. None of that is, is, is going to be able to be given back to them. Right. Ah, it burns me up. It burns me up. Well, uh, some good news. Good news for me. Uh, bad news for you, Smug. Uh, actually, Wordle is good. How? Uh, I got to hear this. I okay, hear this. so there's this story. Uh, when 80-year-old grandmother Denise Holt failed to text her daily score for Wordle, her two daughters thought it was strange. When Holt failed to respond or even read their text or answer the phone, the daughters, who live on the West Coast, got worried. When they had a neighbor check her house in Lincolnwood, Illinois, and her car was there, but she didn't answer, they knew something was wrong. Police were called and found a broken window with blood on the scene, suggesting wow. a break-in. Using the neighbor's key, they entered, asking, is anybody home? I'm here, Holt called from inside a basement bathroom where she had been barricaded by a new naked intruder threatening her with scissors. Oh, incredible, right? It's terrifying. Incredible. Police rescued her and arrested James H. Davis III of Chicago, the man who they say held her hostage and in fear for her life for nearly 21 hours. Her daughter said it was her mother's calm during the crisis that may have kept her alive. And Wordle. So I, 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 I think that's terrible. I don't, I don't think Wordle is, is the hero here. Wordle's the I, hero. I think it's awful what she went through. I think, folks, there's a way to communicate with your family outside of them checking if you had posted your Wordle. Oh, come on. Why not text her and say, how's your day? What'd you have for dinner? <laughs> how's the weather out there? You just need an opener. He's this doubling is your family. Down. He's doubling down. This is down. your family. He's doubling I'm down. having a conversation with my family. is like one of the highlights. I, I, I talk to my family daily all across the country. Right. And you don't have to be like, here's my Wordle score. If I sent that, they, then they'd send someone for a wellness yeah. check. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's good. That's good. So, so I found this story. Uh, I sent it to McDaniel, who helps uh, put together our content. This was this was amazing. It reminded me of a. a I'll get into it. I'll get into it. It says uh, a Russian gallery says guard added eyes to avant-garde work. A Russian gallery says one of its security guards has vandalized an avant-garde painting on loan from the country's top art repository by drawing eyes on the pictures, deliberately featureless faces. It says the damage can be repaired. The painting, dating from the 1930s, shows three torsos and heads with hair but no facial features. The vandal drew eyes on two of them with a ballpoint pen. <laughs> um, so my, my favorite thing from this story, um, here, I'll, I'll read the last part. The Yeltsin Center said the painting has been sent for restoration uh, to the State Gallery in Moscow, which owns it. The Russian news site RBK said a criminal case has been opened on charges that carry a sentence of up to three months in prison. The picture had reportedly been insured for one million dollars so so the story is is great this wasn't just any guard who was like you know what let me pull out the pen and, and, and add some faces i can fix what was missing here 
This was the dude's first day on the job. It's incredible. Which is just like... <laughs> dude just walks in and makes his mark. Yeah. He's like, this will brighten it up. Like, you know, your first day on the job, you're like, okay, I want to kind of like not... I don't want to shake the boat. Right, right. I want everyone to know, I, I, you know. But you also want to make an impression. Right. I mean, I guess. I, 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 I see day one is kind of like keep your head down, learn your job, show everyone you can... You, you belong, you can do the job. This guy rolls up, you know, day one of being a security guard at the museum. He's like, oh... You know, day one at my museum. What am I gonna do? I, I mean, think I think this painting could be improved. I gotta pull that the pen. I gotta say, <laughs> I gotta say, fellas. I mean, looking at this, thing, and I'm no art expert. I think he improved it. So yeah, I, I do too. that's the thing. That's a crazy thing. And you know, maybe here, here, here's how I would take his defense. If I were his defense attorney, I'd say the man's an artist. Right. I guess. I guess what I would say is, I'm looking at this painting, and I encourage folks who are listening here to just. Search this out on Twitter or Google it. I can't really tell that somebody modified it. I mean, it's not exactly like the, the Mona Lisa it, we're looking it, at. It here. fits. Right. It fits. I mean, uh, it, it, the original artist probably put those there. It's not like he did something crazy. What was that? What was that? Um, uh, it, it was that painting of Christ that uh, years ago. Oh yeah, when they restored it. Yeah, they tried they restoring it, and, and some like old lady <laughs> rolled up terrible. and was like, "Oh no, here I can fix it." And it just—I mean, it just turned into a nightmare. Right. <laughs> it was like a finger painting. Right. Um, this is this is not that situation. The dude added the eyes. I mean, it adds to it. It adds to it. I, if if I had that hanging up in my office, I'd be like, you know what? That seems normal now. Without it, it seems incomplete. I think this guy's a true artist. Shout out security guard. If you're if you're listening and you're a security guard in your first day in an art gallery, listen, look around. If you think you can improve anything, I say give it a shot. <laughs> Shout out security guard. Uh, well, I got some other happy news here. <clears throat> Dems in disarray. Love some good Dems in Always. disarray oh, news. Always um, love um, it. Did you see the CNN poll? Yeah. Yeah. Conducted in January and February found that 45% of Democratic and Democratic-leaning voters wanted to see the party renominate Biden in 2024. Unreal. Well, well, 51% preferred a different candidate. That is sitting president wild. of the United States. I mean, he's only been in the job for a year. He's and, in their party. And this is, I think this is the comparison that's important. It says, in March of 2010, nearly 8 in 10 Democratic and Democratic-leaning voters said they wanted the party to renominate Barack Obama. So, like, at this point in his presidency... It's just not working out. In his own party. Right. Right. Don't ever underestimate... Who was it who said, don't ever underestimate Joe Biden's ability to screw things up? I think that was Barack Obama himself. Yeah, yeah, that was The guy was like, uh, if anyone should know... He knew. I have to know. The poll dipped down a little bit further just to um, see what these Democratic-aligned voters were hoping to see in a replacement. Um. They, uh, 31% of these people said they didn't want him to be reelected. That, that, that was their reason. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> these are Democrats. Why do you not want him to be the candidate? I do not want him reelected. <laughs> <laughs> Things are getting very bad very quickly. Yeah, 35% said it was mostly because they doubted his ability to win against a Republican, and the rest offered up other reasons for wanting to switch the ticket. Most common being concerns about his age. Ugh. Code for brain worms. Yeah. 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 yeah we know. Sun, sundown. So I <laughs> want to get into just how bad it is. One of one of the chief strategists and like the architect of uh Obama. President Obama's wins. Yeah. Um 
David Axelrod in the New York Times says, Mr. President, it's time for a little humility. Oh, my goodness. When Axelrod is like. Right. Giving you the reality check. You got some problems here. So from from, from Let that. Me give, uh, can I can I just can I just uh, just indulge me for one second? Yeah. Yeah. If Jeb had actually won. Uh-huh. And Karl Rove had written in 2018, Mr. President, it's time for a little humility. It would have had it would have been the exact same thing. That's I mean, it's a huge deal. It the is fact a huge, that huge Axelrod. Huge deal. Who, who Axelrod for a very good reason has a lot of cachet in dumb circles. He he found what, what was President Obama before uh, he was in the Senate? He was he was like a state was it assembly or I mean in Chicago in uh, Illinois? Yeah, he was in the state legislature there, and and Axelrod. I mean, obviously Obama has a lot of talent, but Axelrod was really the brains behind the rise. Well, it was something like within six years, he got him from a state legislature in Illinois, yeah, to the United States Senate to the White House, right. I mean, well, so 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 what Axelrod's doing here is trying to basically give Biden some advice on his State of the Union. And what he says, this is from Axelrod's opinion piece at a news conference on the eve of his first anniversary in office. President Biden tried. He energetically sold a litany of achievements, record job growth, which is fake, Fake. uh, a massive and complex vaccine mobilization, which is what Donald Trump. You know, yep. did for him. Congrats. Uh, a historic rescue act and a landmark infrastructure bill forged with bipartisan support. He did acknowledge the trials this country has endured, but only sparingly. He got the emphasis and proportions wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just love this thing. Axrod's like, you know what? Talk more about how much you suck and failed. <laughs> it's and, and, incredible. And, and, and right here, it says spending more time pitching his successes and touting progress than he did recognizing the grinding concerns that yes. have soured the mood of the country, which I think should be... This is free advice for me to anyone who's considering running for office, any elected officials. Your focus right now should be the daily lives right. of Americans, which has been so difficult. It's been made difficult in a very significant, you know, uh, for a very significant amount because of legislation, because of policymakers, right. because of the quote experts. But right. you know what? They just aren't doing it. And also, Axelrod is not the only Democrat who's criticizing Biden. He's also Biden's also not the only Democrat being criticized. There's a lot of criticism to go around for Schumer and and Ron Klain. L.A. Times had a story over the weekend. I wonder if you guys saw the headline was with Biden's agenda hanging by a thread. Democrats question their leader's strategy. And the story goes on to basically say for all the ire directed at liberal activists by liberal activists to modern uh, moderate senators who in recent weeks scuttled Biden's most ambitious plans. Democratic members of Congress increasingly are casting blame on another duo for their failures. Yeah, I mean, you can't blame Cinema and Mansion right. for, for being like, dude, I'm not going to go down with your sinking ship of terrible ideas. These Democrats are saying uh, strategic blunders by Majority Leader Charles Schumer and White House <laughs> Chief of Staff Ron Klain were in oh, large man. part to blame for Biden failing to win passage of a massive social spending and climate plan. What a duo, huh? Schumer and Klain. Schumer is... Number one, he is an absolute clown. Like, everyone in New York for a very long time has known this. Uh, one of the things when you work in politics in, in, in New York City is, uh, well, you have to have an appreciation of, of the Dem machine because they run that like a machine all the way from, like, you're talking about from their district leaders petitioning yeah. to city council to to state assembly to state senate to Congress to the U.S. Senate. All the way up is a machine. Like, they operate which piece moves 
when in concert with like the unions and everything and from top to bottom they all know Schumer is an absolute idiot right. absolute <laughs> idiot who who does he's not a shock caller he he doesn't have like a brain for strategy uh, which is why you're seeing his whole motivation you're like is this guy just this dumb or clueless and the shockingly the answer is no it's because he's got AOC right ready to primary him right. and kick his ass out well, let's hear what these uh, Democratic senators said. The two leaders, Schumer and Klain, played more to public interest groups than the needs of the U.S. Senate. Ooh. I mean, and, and I love how it says a Democratic senator said. Right. Mm-hmm. Too scared to say your name, put coward. His name on it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, like, that's like. But, but here's the thing. I, yes, say your name, coward, but there are apparently 20 lawmakers and administration officials in the story. 20? 20. 20. That's, that's according to the LA Times. This so, is lawmakers and administration officials. This line is incredible. Most speaking on condition of anonymity to candidly discuss what they described as the party's legislative missteps. Like, the but, Biden agenda yeah. is dead. Yeah. Yeah. They in these, in these Democrats are saying they believe the White House and Schumer should have steered a more moderate course if they wanted to pass anything. Well, I mean, and this we've talked about this in the program a, a ton, but it bears repeating. Like, you know, the the Senate's fifty fifty. Like, there's like what, like a five seat majority in the House, mm-hmm. and like Biden acts like he's FDR out here trying to pass stuff. And they tried. They they had the swagger of thinking that, oh yeah, we're gonna do some some New Deal right type of right. shit. Right. Right. And it's like Mansion. Huge shout out. First of all. Because that cannot be easy. They were chasing him down yeah. while he was driving. There were there were there were these They're following, libs climbing on his boat. They followed right. cinema into the ba- bathroom. Right. right. Like right. Th- it's it's very clear. Like for them, they get they get to have a very comfortable. Like they can sleep at night because they know the folks they are dealing with are true nut jobs. They're like, it's how can I be on the wrong side of history when I'm dealing with someone chasing me into a bathroom? You know, <laughs> like it, they, you can be very comfortable with your decision to be against the side that's sending nut jobs to climb onto your boat, chase you into bathrooms. It's insane. Uh, uh, speaking of insane, uh, this story is insane. Uh, the mayor of an upscale city outside of Cleveland is making headlines again for a remark at a recent city council meeting that allow that allowing ice fishing shanties on a city lake could lead to prostitution. It's just absolutely incredible. So this isn't the song. This is like, what are these boats? No, no like a shanty, you know, like a shed, like oh, like, gotcha, a, like, gotcha. a, like a wood shed. You'd put okay. up for ice fishing. I was like, the songs, man. So uh, AP has the story here. Uh, Hudson Mayor Craig Sh- Schubert during the meeting on Tuesday said he wanted to raise some quote data points during a discussion about whether to permit people to fish on the frozen lake. Quote. Does someone come back next year and say, I want an ice shanty on Hudson Springs Park for X amount of time? Schubert said. <laughs> he continues. And if you then allow ice fishing with shanties, then that leads to another problem. Prostitution. <laughs> Wait, I, Slippery slope. I just, I just love that leap. I, I, so I am like completely confused. Are they saying that folks are renting this place out and turning it into like prostitution? Like a brothel, <laughs> yeah. Like a Ice little, brothels. Like a little shanty on a frozen lake. What is Cleveland? Uh, so, oh, the Cincinnati is guys. It, got you some, guys got beef got with Cleveland? Some beef? Well, as long as the river doesn't start on fire, I guess <laughs> the ice will stay. Oh, Ashbrook's a little chippy today with the Bengals loss. I, you know, I, I always love that video. Easy. 
that came out like years ago about like how Cleveland is horrifying. They were like, uh, th- one of the things they're like, our river catches on fire. They're like, our main yeah. export is depression. Our entire economy is based upon LeBron James, who then like, oh, I've left. Seen, I've seen that? that video. There's Let's this great, great yeah. video. Yeah, this. One, of, one of the greatest moments in the Cincinnati v. Cleveland City rivalries came at a Bengals game where Sam Weish was the coach and fans were throwing bottles onto the field and it disrupted the game. And it was so disruptive that Sam Weish grabbed the microphone for the PA and took it on himself to address the crowd. And he yelled at them and said, do not act this way. We don't live in Cleveland. (laughs) (laughs) Incredible. It was incredible. That is a king move. It was a great moment. He was a great coach. Oh, man. Well, smug. I got to tell you. I mean, honestly, it's a banger of an episode. Yeah. You know, shout out Holmes. Take care of the family when need be. But honestly... We got the podcast cover. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Defending Holmes. Ashbrook being like, no, this is a three-man podcast. It's it's Duncan, Smug, and Holmes. Um, So truly, banger of an episode. And thank you so much again to our live audience. I invite everyone to listen to that live Ruthless. I I remember most of the show, so I think it was pretty good. (laughs) Uh, And great episode today. So until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Thursday. Stay ruthless.